your weekly fix of Asian music. This is Asian Pop Nation. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to season two of Asian Pop Nation. Did you guys miss us? You better have. <laughs> Let's first go through the two songs we played just now. First, coming from Rookie Go Group Ive with their first comeback track called Love Dive. And secondly, we have Malaysian female singer Abigail with her latest single featuring Little J called Traps. Some honestly really great tracks right there to kick off this new season. I still can't believe we're here right now. Just wow, what a moment. But thanks for joining me, Leisha, and of course our APN team tonight of Senya, Lee, Tracy, Jenna, JP, and Ethan, where we have a lot of thoughts to just spill to you guys, starting with our initial reactions and reviews of the highly anticipated movie coming from A24 called Everything Everywhere All at Once. We also have some extra reviews and thoughts of an interesting one-shot manga titled Goodbye Eddie, as well as a certain popular series which just recently got a season 2 called Bridgerton. And of course, we have heaps more intriguing and fun topics sprinkled around our show tonight, but you just have to stick around to find out. Let's hop back to some more new Asian music as we have heaps of April releases to go through, starting with the song titled Mirror Tune from the Japanese artist Zuto Meo, which definitely is a perfect poppy fun track to kick off this new season of Asian Pop Nation. This is Asian Pop Nation right here on Sin. It's me, Lisha, and you were just listening to some new releases coming from Japanese artist Zuto Meo with the song called Mirror Tune. We also played the song titled Car Crash from Korean American artist Each, which, fun fact, the music video does have some popular streamer cameos, so wink wink, check it out. The final song we played comes from the Korean artist Onyun from Shiny with his solo track titled Dice, which is Honestly, just such a cute track, and the album itself gets a thumbs up from me personally. Now, there is this certain movie that has just made its presence in Australian cinemas this month, but actually already has been gaining a lot of thumbs ups globally. Of course, we're talking about the latest A24 movie starring Michelle Yeoh herself, titled Everything Everywhere All at Once. And we in APN were anticipating for this day to come for so long that we don't just have one, but instead two segments just talking about this movie. Yes, we're that hyped. <laughs> But first, come join some of our team members, Xenia, Tracy, and Ethan, as they give their first impressions of everything, everywhere, all at once, literally as they're going to the cinema to watch it. Let's go. So we're at the cinemas, just about to watch everything, everywhere, all at once with Tracy and Ethan, our first out in the wilderness live cross here at Asia Pop Nation. Starting with you, Tracy, what are your thoughts on the film? What are you expecting? I'm expecting it to be real crazy, real fun times because I, I before I came here I watched the turn down for what music video again and I also watched the GQ interview with Michelle Yeoh where she went over all her like crazy Hong Kong stunt movies and her recent movies as well which is really cool and I also looked up a couple interviews with the guy who plays Short Round <laughs> whose name I will learn shortly who is also in this movie so I'm very happy to see that he's back to acting after like 20 years hiatus and I'm very excited to see this movie. How about you, Ethan? What are your thoughts, expectations? <laughs> Pretty much what she said. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about this movie, so I'm hoping it's gonna be as good as they say it will be. Fingers crossed. All right, we'll head in now. What was everyone's thoughts, Tracy? <laughs> I don't know what I just watched, but I think I enjoyed it. 
Ethan, what did you think? Uh, I have, I have a lot to process. I mean, now we're outside of the cinemas. Processed it a bit after watching the credits. By Mitski and David Byrne, by the way, I think. Mitski or Hail Mitski. Ethan, Tracy. <laughs> Initial thoughts about the film? Was it what you expected? I went in without expectations and I was blown away by it already. Yes. <laughs> Ethan, <laughs> what were the main takeaways that you got? Um, I'm still trying to process everything. I think it really does deliver on its title in a literal sense and in terms of plot and theme. I think it's a real... Uh, I don't know how to put it. it. It's one of those movies that you can't really put into words just because of how much of an experience it is. I think... Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah, it's like one of those you have to, to watch it to really understand how hard it is to explain. <laughs> I mean, like, thematically, what do you feel the movie was about? Do you want us to spoil it or not? No. No spoilers, but just, like, you know, the, what do you think the key key message? Go, go back to, like, English days. <laughs> what would you say the theme would be for those interested in watching it? Um, Michelle Yeoh Worship is a big one. Also, James Hong worship, uh, slightly more niche one, but also another big theme. The whole thing is about like family in the end, but like uh, you wouldn't just know. <laughs> I think I'm a bit shell shocked from the movie. It's like a weird. It's like the migrant experience plus like what it feels like to be married for so long plus like family mother-daughter relationship realizing your potential mm. yeah it's like a, a midlife crisis but with multiple universes yes like what if your midlife crisis was fun and sci-fi I think the main logic they followed with this movie would would this be wacky and fun and I think they delivered on that with everything they did in this movie. I think if we try to dissect it too hard, yeah, I don't think that's the point of this movie. I think you just have to go there for the vibe. If you want to feel like shell-shocked, like we are, go we are feeling shell-shocked, you should go see this movie. What were both of your favourite universes? <laughs> that's a hard question. <laughs> The Ratatouille universe. <laughs> yeah, the Ratatouille universe as well. I think that was pretty funny as well. Yeah, the rock one was also interesting. That was a good, mm. a, a fun ride. <laughs> yeah. Oh, how about, how about the weird, like, sausage fingers one? <laughs> <laughs> or that, was that a bit too weird to be likeable? <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know about Tracy, but I think... I think it was good to... I don't know how to put this in words. <laughs> Worst this time like, to review this movie is straight after the movie. <laughs> yeah. I, okay, I think... I think it does a really good job of taking the multiverse concept. Because I think that's a very new thing with what Marvel and DC plan to do. And I think this movie was good in coming ahead of that in terms of coming ahead of the genre and giving it kind of this existential twist to it. Um, 
Yeah, I, I think it was really good at using the whole multiverse and interdimensional thing to kind of illustrate the point of kind of what it means to exist, I guess, and kind of if nothing really matters, then what kind of what does matter in a world where nothing matters? Yeah, no, that, that's it. I think. Wow. <laughs> you just sounded so good here just now. Yeah, it's like it was convoluted, but it makes sense in the context of the film, yeah. right? Like. <laughs> Yeah. No, no, no. That's we perfect. Re-record re this tomorrow again. The main thing that I was that was getting me through the whole thing is that the guy who plays the dad was short round in Indiana Jones. Oh, I yeah. Does he act like short round? Is it just me or does he act like short round as well? That's just who he is, I is guess. Is he? Okay. Yeah, but now he like, and I was just like the whole like he kind of still has that voice, uh. and I was like constantly just being like, oh my god, what the heck? But he's really good at this. Yeah, he's probably my favorite character. He's so good in this. I love like um, men who are. <laughs> <laughs> Cut it there. <laughs> like supportive or? Yeah, it's a good like sort of fantasy, you know. <laughs> and on that note, we'll we'll continue to this discussion and then group recording. <laughs> <laughs> you just gonna play this back and what the heck were you guys on? Just <laughs> Welcome to Asian Pop Nation here on Sin. We just played some stellar tracks, first coming from the Everything Everywhere All at Once original soundtrack. We have the song titled This Is A Life from Sun Lux with Mitski and David Brin. The movie watchers, including myself, are just sobbing hearing this track we also have a brand new single from the artist gene seizure all the way from singapore with their song titled i and lastly we have jesse with her latest comeback track titled zoom if you were just tuning in right now we at apn are kind of having a everything everywhere all at once craze at the moment i think like every film enthusiast is also just raving about this movie and for good reason may i add but if you're still debating whether you want to add this new a24 movie to your watch list or maybe you're just curious about our thoughts about the movie come listen in to our review of the movie everything everywhere all at once so if you could change your life and do something completely different to what you're doing now what would you want to be I'd love to try not being born. Like, what would that be like? <laughs> That's an interesting parallel universe you're thinking of, John Paul, but I don't think it is possible in the context of the film we are talking about today. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, directed by the Daniels, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert. And it starts with the story of Evelyn Wang, played by the legendary Old Bao and Praisley Michelle Yeoh as an exhausted Chinese-American woman who just can't seem to finish her taxes and is actually going through an audit. But the plot quickly expands because Evelyn actually goes on this wild adventure as she's introduced to the multiverse and the multiple different Evelyns and versions of her husband and daughter that she eventually comes into contact with. And she learns that she must connect to all these alternate versions of herself from these different universes in order to save the world. Classic chosen one story, but I guess we don't often see a middle-aged, late 40s, early 50s Chinese-American woman as the chosen one. But for those who don't know, Ki Kwan is 
Wayman Wang, Evelyn's husband. You might know him from Indiana Jones, The Goonies, iconic child actor before he like disappeared, did some more behind the scenes assistant director. Which is crazy. Yeah. He's made his notable return to cinema, at least to Western cinema. Um, We also had James And it's so good to have him back. Exactly. Yeah. James Hong as Gong Gong, Evelyn's father, uh, another legend. And Jamie Lee Curtis as Dietrich, the IRS inspector. So <laughs> an interesting cast. Um, but I believe Tracy, Alicia and myself have seen the movie. Uh, we also did a little review with Ethan straight after the movie, but we had a lot of things to process. Um, yeah, but did we want to share our thoughts? Actually, maybe JP, did you have any questions that might help convince you to watch this movie that you'd want to know? Yeah, first off, this is like an Avengers thing. Like, you know, there are multiple, you know, universes. It's cooler than the Avengers. Yeah, it's it's way cooler. Don't actually of the DC, the Marvels. We don't have our superheroes here. This is even better. It's 11 out of 10. It's better, actually. (laughs) This movie is like a lot. It's obscene. It's emotional. It's distilled essence would kill a Victorian child. So I don't think it's really comparable to the Avengers. Wow. Let's just say it's MA15 plus. Um, there's yeah. a lot of lewd jokes in it. Really? Uh-huh. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that when I walked into the cinema to watch it. And also, it's currently the highest rated film on Letterboxd. So everyone likes it. You should go see it. When, <laughs> once he comes back from the realms of from the other universe. Yeah, he actually, yeah, he secretly went to, uh, I don't know, the universe with the raccoons <laughs> Yeah, maybe the rocks. (laughs) Actually, seeing how he's standing so still right now, it's probably the rocks. I also wanted to say when you were talking to her about the cast, Zenia, you forgot to mention Stephanie Shu. Yes. She plays Joy, the daughter of Mm Evelyn. And she's amazing in this as well. Has she been in other roles? Like, I haven't really seen her before. She was in the SpongeBob musical. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I did. What role did she play? I need to look it up. She was also in Be More Chill, which is another musical. But yeah, she's a singer. So her background is Broadway. Yeah, originally um, Aquafina was supposed to play the role. Thank God. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, I'm tired of every Asian American (laughs) film being with Aquafina. I'm like, there's so many other Asian Americans. We can find more talented people. I think also I heard that they originally actually planned it to be Jackie Chan and not Michelle Yeah, Rose. I heard about yeah. that as well. Oh, like early, early, early. On. Yeah, this is like right at the beginning. But thank God it was the one and only Malaysia's icon, my celebrity mom, Michelle Yeoh. i have been watching some of her interviews and i didn't realize how much crazy stuff she did in action films in the 80s yeah i did Mm -hmm. the exact same thing before we watched the movie what the heck (laughs) those stunts are just like hong kong action films are just on another level they were very very metal low budget but just like heaps of passion very low budget and very very dangerous like if you slip the wrong way you just get oh yeah now you're quadriplegic it's crazy it's crazy how she went from like winning a beauty pageant to being an action star and like the stuff that she was doing like she was riding a motorbike off or heel onto a moving train and then rolling off the train the 80s were just another universal wave i did see an interview with her and she was about to talk about everything everywhere all at once and she got really emotional yes i saw that that too about how it's like this is the film that she's been waiting for to show her like acting prowess and i really hope (gasps) That this movie just gives her the recognition that Hollywood has should have been giving her a long yeah, time ago. Exactly. Beyond like Dragon Lady, Asian yes. Mom, yeah. and Kung Fu Masters. Yes. 
Yes, exactly. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think watching this movie, I think like, wow, her performance in it. Oh, it's so good. Ah, I could say this for like the entire cast, but the whole just, class is amazing in this. Amazing. And also I want to say that all the roles of the main Asian family, right? Father, mother, daughter, grandfather, they're all really good meaty roles. And they literally play like like two to four like different multiverse versions of themselves. I feel like it's been a long time since you've had like roles this like complex, like I guess showy or all-encompassing for like Asian characters. And it's just very nice to see because like Crazy Rich Asians, as much as it was iconic and convinced Ki Kwan to start acting again, um, the roles in that were kind of a bit one note, whereas this one is all like it lets them show off their range and their acting chops and like the amazing comedic timing. So it just made me very happy to see these sorts of characters. <laughs> yes, Tracy bouncing up and down in excitement. I'm the exact same. Me too. I mean, I, I really loved Waymond. I think he was definitely my favourite character. Um, oh, Evelyn's husband, yeah. Yeah, and I remember seeing an interview with the entire cast where Jamie Lee Curtis was like, Key, you've kept this away from Hollywood for 20 years. And I definitely like felt that after watching the movie it's like this guy <laughs> imagine it's all so the films cool. he could have done in those 20 years and hopefully he's going to stick around yeah. for a little while longer yeah he literally like gave up acting even though he started off with like two of the biggest films of the 80s but he gave up acting because he wasn't finding enough roles for asian actors mm-hmm. in like the early 2000s so it's so nice that he's come back and landed this really good meaty juicy role like, it's just in terms of, like, full circle stories, it's very satisfying. It's justice. <laughs> so, Alicia and Tracy, why should people watch this movie? Okay, for me, it's like, right now, Hollywood's kind of going through a whole, like, multiverse is kind of, like, the it thing right now. But it's predominantly shown in, like, superhero movies and stuff like that. It's like a fun little, oh, my God, it's this superhero B that I really like from this other material, and now they're finally here. It's that type of thing. But I feel like... The Daniels really took like the chance to use this multiverse concept and just like just like expanded more into like such a wacky and fun like thing that I can't even like I don't even know how like somebody could come up with the ideas that were executed in that movie. Like I genuinely cannot I can't believe what I saw like happened pretty much. It doesn't and, feel like an indie film. It was like it just was so well done. Mm, mm-hmm. But and I think then, even high budget films would have struggled to pull it off <laughs> like they did. And like, yeah. 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 The no. VFX team was seven people, like for the whole movie. And there was so much VFX in this movie. I know. And I'm just like, I'm not like the biggest like diehard, oh my God, comedy genre is like the best of the best in Hollywood. But I really like their usage of like comedy in this movie because yeah, again, it shows you this like the more wacky and zany side of the multiverse. And then as you're watching it, it like puts your guard down almost and you're just like, ha ha ha, what's even happening? And then in those moments, it's when the movie just hits you unexpectedly with all like the emotional stuff. And like, it's funny because like, I think when I'm editing this, I'm going to put like your like live responses to watching the movie first and then I put the review afterwards and then it's just funny that's like yeah you guys like when you come came out of the cinema you guys are just like just so shocked about it when I because I watched it separately when I came out of it I think I was still like wiping away all my tears (laughs) I was still crying and it didn't help that it was a freaking Mitski song playing at the end and I was like what's happening I was just sobbing and I did not expect to come out of that movie literally bawling my eyes out 
It's just, wow. It's just so good. Wow. Wow. I think there was one person crying in our theater. There was someone crying in our theater. I, I was, I cried. I cried at the, the scene where Wayman said, if we, if there was another life, I would have loved doing laundry oh, and yes, doing taxes with you. Yeah. yeah. That was a good one. I think that, yeah. I mean, this is now spoiler territory. If you want to cut this. Yeah. We're all gonna gonna do it. I, I just think, I just think the amount of support that the husband provided Evelyn was just yeah. like, beautiful. it just was beautifully illustrated in that moment. And I was like, oh gosh, this is, this is couple goals. Now. <laughs> That's why this movie is so much better having a woman as a protagonist because it had just been like Jackie Chan and his wife being like, I would do anything to yeah, be with no. you in a horrible, miserable life. If as long as I was with you, like that would be less, You'd be like, oh, wife loves man. Oh, how stereotypical Hollywood. Yeah, it feels mm-hmm. a bit too like, um, I'm not sure if it's worshipy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it feels too worshipy. But you got Wayman being all like, kindness. <laughs> yes, just kindness. It's interesting you mentioned the comedy, Leisha, because it's like those moments where obviously Evelyn's like stuck between multiverses. And one moment it's like Wayman being really emotional and like outpouring, and it's like his his struggles with their marriage, and then her being beaten to Literally, death by yeah. an IRS <laughs> inspector. It's like, what's happening? Yeah. But it's like I wasn't sure. Like, should I like? My heart was going out to Wayman, but then it's like this hilarious fight is going on with like <laughs> a woman with a piece of paper stapled to her forehead, and it's just like I don't is know. Oh, yeah. that's, that's like the very moments that I love about this movie. I love as the audience just being like, <gasps> the know, pure I, whiplash of this exactly. movie. Exactly, I love oh, this movie's so good, man. It's, um, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, there's so much of this movie, I think, is action comedy. I feel like thinking back in terms of what genre this movie fits the most into, obviously it's sci-fi, but I think the core of it is a action comedy. And even when you have emotional scenes, they intercut with like action comedy scenes. And I was thinking of like what other movies this movie reminded me of. And I was brought back to the Stephen Chow movies, um, like Shaolin Soccer yeah. and Kung Fu Hustle. And that's what this movie reminded me the most of. Like there is so many fight scenes and there all crazy and they're all funny and they all use like props around the office as weapons so in that way it's like a big homage almost to like hong kong cinema i feel like that's a huge like influence Mm. on this movie i guess in the same way like shang chi was obviously influenced by hong kong cinema but this one is more it's just funnier oh and yeah just a complete off the wall like slapstick yeah and shang chi is more like you can pinpoint like oh the fighting scenes are very like oh that reminds me of blah 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 but like the overall plot you're kind of like yeah it's like a hollywood plot yeah thing and then yeah i see what you mean totally 100 some scenes i feel like are just excuses to have really cool fight scenes and i'm not mad at it because they are really cool fights (laughs) do we want to give our ratings out of five what oh no we can't say hot dog the hot dogs are not a spoiler they happen as a merch they sell it as merch for the movie. How about googly, googly eyes? eyes? Oh, googly yeah. eyes, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, after watching the movie, I was like, I really want, I, I love taking like little mementos that are not quite like only someone who's seen it or has watched it will recognize the reference. And I was really tempted to just like get a pet rock and put googly eyes on it <laughs> and just be like, every time I see it, it's like, oh, that film, that's great. I should watch it again. <laughs> oh, How many pet rocks out of five would you give this? <laughs> <laughs> I, honestly I, I would give it like probably five 
I think that there was a point where it's like, I don't know, like maybe it was so crazy that it was hard to keep track. But I think with the second watch, I'm sure I'm going to give it a five. I'll pick up things that I didn't notice before. I just really, really, really want to watch it again. I'm going to give it five pet rocks out of five. (laughs) I too will also give it five out of five pet rocks because it's just, oh, like I, I, I can't. It's so hard. I'm naturally not a great person describing stuff like verbally, but this movie... It just, you watch it, you can just feel like the love, the passion, the joy that everyone who like participated in this movie is. I was very happy to see Harry Shum Jr. there. And Harry Shum Jr. is like one of my old school crushes back in like school because of Glee. So seeing him there, I was like, uh... and, it, and they're making a reference to Ratatouille, which is one of my <laughs> top favorite movies ever. So I was like, wow, this is, this is more and more reason to give this movie <laughs> This was just, it was just like oh god I loved how everything was interconnected I loved how they brought something up at the beginning yes um, and then later on you realize oh my gosh it's relevant in the most wackiest and strange <gasps> way that you yes. can introduce I was literally like what the hell did this hot dogs have to do with why is Jamie Lee Curtis and Michelle Yeoh caressing each other with hot dog fingers and then the end I'm like literally crying <laughs> like <laughs> Oh, and that's just, I think that just explains like the masterpiece that is this movie that I can literally be like sobbing over damn like hot dog fingers. Oh, it's insane. <laughs> they, they were so distressing. Uh, I mean, I, I'm sure if you, if our listeners have seen it now, if you would love to let us know your thoughts, your favorite multiverse, whether you're going to watch it again, you can let us know in this universe or any other universe, uh, Asian Pop Nation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Maybe we're on TikTok in another universe. Maybe we won't even be called Asian Pop Nation in an Ooh. alternate universe. Maybe we're not even in Asia. Maybe none of us are even Asian in the alternate universe. <laughs> White Pop Nation. <laughs> in another universe where Asian pop culture is the dominant culture. Only- <laughs> Talking about Western popular culture. Oh my god. There you go. Food for thought. Food for thought. All right. Catch you in the next discussion. You are listening to Asian Pop Nation, since flagship show for the top tier Asian music and topics presented by our team, of course. We just played a trio of songs, first coming from NCT member Taeyong with Wonstein collaborating for the song titled Love Theory. We also have US Filipino female artist Lynn Lapid with her song called Pager coming from her debut EP titled The Outsider. And lastly, we played the first single to be released from this Indonesian artist called Belang Nagara Abe with the song called Something About Love, featuring Caleb K and Rai Putra. The word love seems to be thrown around a lot with these last songs, which I think fits perfectly to our next topic, as we will be talking about season two of a very popular romance period drama series called Bridgerton, which gives us drama, pretty dresses, and of course, love and romance for new characters this time. So let's take a pause from the present and teleport ourselves to the Regency era. So do any of you guys know like or not just know but have an interest in the period drama genre so things around like renaissance era stuff like that which typically i don't think like european renaissance era meshes with like what we talk about in the show which is like asian culture stuff but we will discuss later why these things come together together but yeah any of us period drama fans out here <laughs> <Woo-hoo>. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my god. Who is that woo-woo from afar? <gasps> Who is that? Jedi. Oh my god, it's Jedi. Yo, let's go. Uh, yes, so you heard it right, listeners. It's me, Leisha, a voice that you've heard definitely way too many times, but I am now joined with the one and only Jenna, one of our team hey. members at Asian Pop Nation. And we are going to be talking about a show which recently came out last month. I need to remember that we're in April now and not in March. But yes, it's a show that came out around the 25th of March. It's available on Netflix and it's season two of the hit period drama series, Bridgerton. Wow! <laughs> um, and probably for people who are familiar about Bridgerton, but not so familiar about season two in particular, which we're talking about, you may be confused on why Asian Pop Nation is talking about this. But for the people who don't know Bridgerton in general, it is a TV series adapted from the Bridgerton book series created by author Julia Quinn. The story, as like I mentioned way back in the intro, it does follow like the Regency era London timeline. And pretty much season one, season two, you're mainly following the Bridgerton family who are finding love and the family mainly consists of eight siblings and their widowed mother, Violet Bridgerton. And then also within this fictional world, there's also like an anonymous newsletter writer who goes by the name of Lady Whistledown, who kind of serves as like the narrator of the show, but also kind of an antagonist, depending on how you view it. Um, since she does spread like scandalous gossip around the London society and all that jazz. But that is like the basic laydown of the plot. But season two, which me and Jenna are going to be talking about, focuses on Anthony Bridgerton, played by Jonathan Bailey, who is the eldest child and the head of the Bridgerton family, assuming the role of Viscount after the passing of his father. And pretty much the season two is like him having to find like a Viscountess and settle down. But he has a very, uh, let's just say he's like the womanizer of this universe. But at the same time, in season two, there is a new family known as the Sharma family. And the family consists of their mother, Mary, and also Kate, played by the one and only Simone Ashley, it girl of the month. I love her so much. And Edwina, who is played by Charitha Chandran, also it girl of the month, who are half sisters. And Edwina, which is a younger sister, she quickly becomes considered as like diamond of the season by the queen, resulting in a lot of like suitors lining up after her, including Anthony. But they must face the difficult approval of Kate, aka the eldest sister. Jenna, what what do you, what do you think? What's your thought process with season two? Because I think only two of us out of the whole team have seen this show. But what do you think? Oh, I think it's very different from season one. Mm. Well, you mentioned that um, in season one they focus on Daphne and then like how she um, get together with. Um, Who's that? Oh, Simon. Yes, Simon, yes, Simon. the guy. Yeah, like the Duke of blah blah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but in season two, it's more of um, talking about the Sharma family, mm-hmm. um, how they came from India, and then how they settled down. And they're also talking about um, like their relationship between half sisters. Yeah, yeah. Which is interesting. You don't see that a lot in like I was saying, like mainstream like yeah mainstream shows and stuff like that so it was really interesting to hear that they were oh half sisters whoa yeah and in a regency period yes especially yeah in a regency that's so true because yeah i think in typical regency i don't think that happens yeah, i don't know about regency pro but <laughs> in terms of like historical accuracy oh. or trying to justify having people of color in the cast what is the show doing like what's their way to approach that how have they been approaching that I think like when season one like came about the creator or something like I don't know I mentioned in an interview or something like that that um even though like I don't know the quote was that like oh even though yes this takes place in like the Regency era and stuff like that we do want this to be like for a modern audience and obviously the world 
the world is a lot more diverse and stuff than it is portrayed in Regency era content and stuff. And then and I was just so shocked when the trailer even came out that we were getting two South Asian, like South Asian girls existing in Regency era, like timeline. I, I don't know. That just like blew my mind because it's just, that's just never been a thing. Like South Asian rep has just, South Asian rep in Hollywood in general is just weak terrible i i'm really sad about that but seeing it here in bridgerton and seeing how it's kind of represented here in bridgerton season two i don't know kind of a stamp of approval from me as a half south asian girl myself <laughs> but talking about like um the the directors wanted to have a modern take on um season the the whole general mm-hmm. um series i also listened like i figured out they actually put in some modern um songs Oh yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, they do do that. Yeah, in both like the seasons, it's always like a like a classical music cover of like some popular song, like Taylor Swift and whatnot. And yeah, I did. Yes, they do do that. But oh, that's nice. That's cute. Yeah, it's kind of cute. I was like, oh, not cute, but sometimes it takes me out. That's like wait. Yeah, there was one in like season two. I swear there was like a wrecking ball, like Miley Cyrus wrecking ball one. And I was so like, I think it was literally while the two main like um Kate and Anthony were like, it was the scene where they were like dancing together. And I was like, why is it wrecking ball by Miley Cyrus? I was like, this kind of this is taking me out. I wish it was a slightly more romantic song, but I guess I get what they were trying to go for at the time. Um, because their relationship was still kind of like uh at the time. But the meat of the show of season two is Kate and Anthony. Ah! <laughs> Please, please tell me what you think about Kate and Anthony, who is the lizard owner of, they are the main, main couple for the season, where season one was Daphne and Simon, season two, it's the Kate and Anthony, can't Anthony ship. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're cute. Um, like the moment they, they lock eyes, you know? <gasps> oh my God, it's all about the- know that, oh, this is gonna happen. Yes, it's all about the longing stares. Oh, I, I love it. And they just have that, their trope, it's my favorite trope. I love a good enemies to lovers. <laughs> I love that they just despise each other and then just slowly progress into lovers but then it slowly goes into like forbidden lover territory almost because he is supposed to be um like he is supposed to be going after Adrena which is Kate's younger sister so it was like a slight forbidden love moment but then when they did became lovers oh <laughs> oh it's so beautiful I oh I, lo- I love the main couple so much I think because I watched the show I think the moment it came out on Netflix and then once I binged through the whole thing I went on like a spiral and just watched so much like edit content, like edit videos of the main couple because I just like them so much. Oh, well, that's in, you're in deep. Uh, yeah, that's when you know you get into really bad deep territory where I'm just scrolling through social media. I'm like, oh, this edit, it's so beautiful. <laughs> there's, they're, there's such a cute couple. And like, I don't know, did I, okay, what do you think? Do you like them more than Simon and Daphne? I know they're two quite different couples because I think Daphne and Simon represent like a they're kind of like more like hot fiery steamy type of thing and then Anthony and Kate are more like slow burn type of relationship it's all you have to watch through a lot of content before they even like acknowledge that they like each other in any sort of romantic sense but what do you think oh I actually like Kate and um yeah I like them better yeah about you yeah Kate, it's kate and anthony kate and anthony ride or die forever i do like daphne in season two though i think i think a motherhood has done <laughs> motherhood done well she's such a cute character this season but oh kate and anthony again it's the slow burn it's enemies to lovers it's like the perfect pairing for my yeah you need to get get it through in order to have that yes, exactly exactly and i just I don't know for like show context i love 
I love a little bit of drama <laughs> and I love how their relationship just had heats of like obstacles and stuff and it just makes it makes the end goal of them being a couple like just worth it at the end you're like wow yes how would you rate it like season two overall you think, you think it's a good continuation for season one you think it's better than season one what's like your overall closing thoughts um I guess it's a little bit better mm-hmm. I I just love that slow burn thing yes oh again Jetta gets it slow burn is literally oh if you the audience don't know anything about slow burn of romances just get into it <laughs> get into it it is like oh to me it is one of like the pinnacle ways of creating fictional couples is the slow burn just listener let us know what you think about season two of Bridgerton did you share share some same thoughts as Jenna and myself or maybe you have some opposing opinions maybe you secretly hate Kate and Anthony and if not I might have to track you down just <laughs> Just kidding, but let us know what you think on our socials, Asia Pop Nation, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you know where to find us. Hey, this is Asian Pop Nation residing here on Sin. My name is Leisha, the EP of the show, and you are listening to a selection of songs coming from Asian artists such as the Korean group DKZ with their song titled Cupid. A big yes from our team member Tracy for just more bright, fun boy group concepts. We also have an emotional ballad track right afterwards coming from another Korean group who you may already know as it was Big Bang with their song titled Still Life. And lastly, we played a new collaboration track from Malaysian singer Claudia and Singaporean singer Effion with their song titled Cell Phone. For regular listeners, the name Claudia may be familiar to you as we had the pleasure to interview her back in season one of our show. So if you want to check that out, wink wink, it's always available on our Asian Pop Nation podcast, available anywhere you stream your podcasts on. Now we're going to get into a topic which I think for a lot of us Asians especially, it's a bit of a heartbreaking, gut-wrenching moment when your parents are just disappointed at you for your career choices. Yeah, it's a rough one. And the reason why we're going to be talking about this particular scenario tonight all comes from this very viral TikTok clip, which we're going to tell you all about right now. So uh, out of everyone here, um, how much of a disappointment do you think you are to your parents? (laughs) I'm sorry. This is not easy. What a way to uh, bring up. My parent family traumas. <laughs> yes, very loaded. For a bunch question. of Asian kids, you know, I just asked, "What do you think of your parents' expectations for you?" I'm sure they're reasonable. <laughs> you know, grounded in reality. Exactly, because no. that's that's what stereotypical Asian parenting is. <laughs> but um, earlier this month, there was a video that was very popular on TikTok, especially among the Asian community, with the caption, POV, you're trying to eat dinner, but you're an art major in an Asian household. So you can imagine what went down. So it showed the user, Caitlin Bui, having a confrontational conversation with her parents in regards to her being an arts major in university. Relatable. Um, It has gotten 12 million views and about 2.4 million likes at the time of this recording. And it actually shows Caitlin in tears as her parents comment on her inability to support herself once she graduates with an art major. And it ends with the statement from her father quite harshly, sit and think this through, wake up, stop dreaming, live with the reality. 
Now, there's a lot of support for Caitlin that has come in, you know, people sharing their experiences, advice, and pursuing their passion despite their parents' disapproval. And it's also opened up a very big conversation in the Asian online community as like a reminder and a flashback to some of the very traditional Asian values. Um, but that Caitlin did post up a follow-up video uh, apologizing to her parents for her behavior. And responded to a comment in that video by saying, parents always have your best interests at heart, but the generational gap can make communication difficult. So thoughts. I mean, like even being an arts major, my parents have been, if they have been disapproving, they haven't vocally said it. <laughs> I think a part of me is like Asian parenting myself um, <laughs> in the sense of like trying to chase as many opportunities to ensure that I'm job ready but I don't know I think that's just an anxiety thing not necessarily something that my parents are pushing but what about everyone else here did they feel the same have you decided to dismiss a passion that perhaps in another universe you would have pursued you know <laughs> I think her dad might be kind of right I mean, you haven't graduated yet JP yeah, yeah but that? like I can I can see the cliff ahead of me like you know I'm an artist you know? But you've got that position that's like waiting for you in Japan, man. Uh, yeah, that. But then after <laughs> that, it's like, dude, even if I do like end up working in Japan, like that's as an artist, you know, like you're bottom of the barrel, you know, unstable. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's kind of right. But at the same time, you know, it's like, why don't you just say that to your daughter, man? It's like, <laughs> you know, uh, my parents have said very similar things to yeah. me. Yeah. 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 Same with one particular parent right but, yeah yeah my dad went to my high school assembly once or something and the principal gave a speech about like follow your dreams girls uh, and he came home and he's like i need to get a few things straight with you after watching that <laughs> disgusting display oh I just <laughs> so he was like first of all if you and a white kid have the same resume, the white kid will always be chosen. Oh Second of all, wow. <laughs> you want to have this, this, like a stable job, you need to be um, in something which is either too technical or not as desirable um, so that it's not uh, already saturated with uh, white people in it already. So <laughs> the job you will probably end up doing will be stable and a bit boring, but you will stick with it in order to have enough money to support yourself in order to pursue your actual passions in your spare time dude <laughs> yeah if we're gonna talk about <laughs> if our parents have said like the same thing similar to this video um i don't know i feel like i was growing up in like a type of situation where it's like one of my parents follows much more of like yeah just follow your dreams passions type of thing i will always uh -huh. be proud of you no matter what and then my other parent literally um, being exhibit A of this exact video of just right. like you want to do this? Is it is it a STEM subject? Are you going to be a doctor, lawyer? Like no, you're doomed. Watching this video, yeah, not gonna lie. For sorry, I watched it. I like cried. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it brought back the memories, the pain. But no, Lisha, on your on your side with that one parent that's um like real forceful about getting you know a high paying job. What do you think the main motive is behind that? Like, is it more like a status thing or more like oh. they just want you to be stable and not poor? Oh, yeah, because I know for a lot of immigrant parents and stuff like that, 
um, mm. the perspective is like, oh, they want their kids to go into these jobs because from the way they grew up, those jobs are what is viewed as like the most stable and like, oh, right. we don't have good income and blah, 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 all that stuff. Um, for my end, it was definitely more of a status type of thing. So A status was, thing. Yeah, right. yeah. I'm a HR major now, but before HR, I actually wanted to do psychology. And if you think about it, mental health and Asian values are very um Lol. they just don't they're not an <laughs> equation that works they're not an equation that works so when I had to explain to my parents that I wanted to do psychology originally oh it was so bad I pretty uh-huh. much had like a almost a reflection moment of like the girl in the video of me at the dinner table and one of my parents just being like okay yeah sure and then my other parent just being like Ooh, mental health that doesn't exist what you're, you're just doing like you're just doing like pseudoscience or whatever like they thought i was going to like a degree of like astrology pretty much secular oh, equivalent of priesthood <laughs> and I was, and I was just like, wow this is insane until this day when i do have to bring up like oh this is what i used to do before but a parent still doesn't actually know that it's like they keep saying I used to be a psychiatrist because they're just trying to blanket out so much that psychology just doesn't exist. And I'm just like, <laughs> wow, what a moment. And that's not even like an arts major. Just, just, I was trying to go into like a mental health field. But again, it's a health field that is doctor adjacent. Exactly. And they were so upset at you for it. Yeah, because it's like, oh, because it's in the mental health field, which again, <laughs> traditional Asian values and mental health. Mental health, what? That doesn't exist. Oh. Not going to the psychologist is a traditional Asian value. <laughs> Part of the problem is that maybe these parents, sometimes they're maybe not super educated and they want their kids to be educated, but they have no idea what like these professions actually entail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so they have very unrealistic expectations for them. But yeah, basically, I think as Asians, we do all inherit class anxiety from our parents. Yeah, Unless you had really like, loose keepy parents but like 90% of us inherited class anxiety from our parents yeah yeah it's like what Xenia said because now my parents are like chill but I still feel like I am also like in Xenia's boat where I am the Asian I am my own Asian parent I'm just like I'm not being a doctor and a lawyer what am I doing here you're not doing anything in your life you're not gonna get a paycheck and it's like god oh it's so bad (laughs) I am my own mini Asian parent love that On a more uplifting note, today, inspired by everywhere, everyone, everyone, everywhere, inspired by the movie I watched yesterday, which his name is way too long for me to remember, um, I had some quality time with my parents. We went to the Dandenongs today, had a good walk, had some good chats about how crazy our ancestors were. Um, And I was complaining to mum about how Asian parents bring up their kids. And my mum was like, you know, sometimes when I think back, I think I was too lax on you guys because we were quite lenient with you guys. And I think if I'd pushed a bit harder, maybe you would have like done your Amos and piano and like actually studied it at uni instead of just doing grade eight. And I was like, are you crazy? Dude, grade eight is crazy already. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But she was like, I feel like it's a failing on my part because like if you can't achieve your full potential, I have not fulfilled my full role as a parent but like it's it was fascinating how you see like parents think that they're responsible if their kids aren't like high social status 100k plus salary a year whereas in maybe a more individualist society they're like if your kid does a screw up that's their own fault not ours whereas asian parents are like if 
my kid doesn't screw up, it's very much 100% my fault. And so part of my duty is to be like setting really high expectations for them so they actually try. So that was interesting. That makes me curious. Um, if you could pick, would you rather your parents have really high expectations of you Ooh. or like really low, like they don't care? I'm kind of be which, sad if they don't care. Yeah, which extreme would you prefer? Because like if you got like parents with real high expectations, that's just stress all the time. Is it like yeah, low expectations that they're practically neglectful or <laughs> yeah. like how low are we saying? Or, or like you're the fourth child and they don't care anymore. Like yeah, that's, that's yeah, okay. sort of. That's it's like, you know, yeah, yeah. And probably being the fourth child. Fourth I feel like my child. brother already has it pretty lax. High pressure is just not good. It just gives you all sorts of mental issues that like hold you up from like developing as a person and like developing autonomy and it just kind of screws you up a bit. Um and sometimes those expectations might not be pointed in like the completely correct way either, you know? They're not. They're completely right. just like WeChat reality, uh-huh. which is just not actual reality. Wow. What a great note. What a great non-depressing note to end things on. <laughs> Listeners, follow your dreams. Who cares what your parents say? Listen to us. We're so successful. <laughs> we probably know more than your parents do about stuff anyway, you know? Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. (laughs) Wow. Hey everyone, welcome to Asian Foundation on Sin. My name is Leisha, and just now you were listening to two songs requested from our listener, Matthew, which if you want to request your own songs, you can of course message us on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Asian Pop Nation. Moving on back to the songs, however, we first played the track Strong 100% from Garakuta Pyonkyotsu, and we also played Mikazuki Sniper's song titled Kyo no Roundtable. The last song you just heard comes from an staple APN fave, a sin fave even. It's the one and only Jaguar Jonesy with her latest track called Trigger Happy. Oh my god, it's just, it's so good. And you guys definitely have to keep an eye on her because this song is a part of her upcoming debut album coming on June 3rd called Bunny Mode. Something else which is also coming soon later in the month maybe even next year for us here in Australia, is the latest movie coming from Japanese animation director Makoto Shinkai called Suzume no Tojimari. The trailer was just released recently and we in APN have some thoughts that we want to share right now. All right, so I'm assuming you guys know about our boy Makoto Shinkai, famous, uh, renowned Japanese animation director. He's created several visually stunning and well-known films like A Garden of Words, Your Name, Weathering With You. Um, but this guy has now released a trailer for his new film, and it's called Suzume no Tojimari, and it's coming to Japanese theaters on November 11th. Um, very interesting movie. Um, as far as the details we know, We do know that it's about a 17-year-old girl living in Kyushu. It's one of the most westernmost parts of Japan. And she one day mysteriously encounters a young man who is in search for a door. It's a little strange young man. But anyway, uh, she follows him because she's crazy. And eventually, they find a door standing by itself up in the mountains. And after Suzume opens the said door, this is the girl Suzume, uh, it triggers this domino effect of several uh, doors of disaster, quote marks, appearing all across Japan. 
And uh, this eventually acts as a catalyst for Suzume's own journey, as she must now travel across Japan to quickly close and lock every door to save the world from the potential disasters caused by this door. I mean, these doors being opened. Um, yeah, this is this is just as whack as Kingdom this is Hearts, a romance. man. I, I think so. It's going to. This is Shinkai. Of course, it's going to be a romance. Wait, Zenia, name name one Shinkai movie that does not have romance. Um, touche. Yeah, you yeah, got me there. That's what I thought. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Will it end with like him screaming at her, or her screaming I at him? I hope so. I hope so. Because oh. you know, screaming is fun. I guess I don't know. Um, but are people excited for this movie? The premise sounds pretty interesting and wacky. Yeah, I am. Yeah? Yeah. That- we hope it's better than Your Name and Weathering With You, or is um, that hard to shoes to fill? I think Your Name was pretty high for me, but Weathering With, yeah. weathering with You, eh, it was okay. But yeah. Oh, I see. <laughs> the animation, though, top tier. Oh, yeah. of course, it's Shinkai, it's always mm. Yeah, even from the trailer, this one looked really good. Mm, exactly, yeah. I watched the trailer, I was like, wow, this is so pretty, but oh, what's going on? Doors and stuff. Yeah, yeah. we don't know. <laughs> Actually, I really like the idea of, like, doors, because I think doors are an interesting, like, symbol. Mm. Yeah, they're really cool. And, like, the whole idea of just going across Japan on doors, it's like a Monsters, Inc., you know? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Do you think like, Rad Wimps attached Inc. to the project? Who? Rad Wimps. They're always attached to the project. Of course, they are. I like their music, so I hope they they do. Oh, they're the they're the. I was like, what's the name? It sounds so familiar. It's the the band who does like all the songs, like the main songs for his. Yeah, song. yeah. I just know the your name yeah. one. That's it. That's it's your name. It's so Kimi no Nawa. Wow. So yeah, I had that one as well for for a good. Really? Time. You are alone? Yeah. <laughs> were you waiting I'll for waiting for though. a man coming for? <laughs> No, he's going to come through like a weird door. And... <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, Radwimps, of course, they're of course they're involved. Like they're they're definitely French kissing behind the back scenes, you know, for sure. <laughs> uh, you know, on the topic of Shinkai, though, um, what are your like, what's your top favorite Shinkai movie? Your name. Your name. I, I, re- your I really name. didn't like any of the others before your name. My garden yeah. of words was really pretty, but just the story didn't. Oh, hit. that one had feet. Yeah, <laughs> but like the the animation with the rain. Yeah, and on yeah, oh, that was like the most the beautiful food. Shinkai film. What I've about seen. the yeah, animation the of the feet? Yeah, the yeah. Feet, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and they look like feet. And oh <laughs> uh, wait, but Lee, uh, your name is your favorite too, right? Yeah, yeah. I've only seen your name and Weathering with You. Um, mm-hmm. I watched Weathering with You like a few days ago, but yeah. <laughs> oh, I see. I still like your name. But yeah. No. yeah, your name is pretty solid. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm one of those odd people that really like um, five centimeters. That's my favorite. Ah, the niche, the niche genre, man. It's, it's not niche, but like for some reason, you know, every time I talk about that movie, everyone's like, oh, that movie sucks. It's so boring. <laughs> I think it was slow. slow. It, it was more like Nothing a... happens. It's it's sensory. It's like you, you, I don't sensory. think the story the story wasn't strong, but it just like made you feel things. Right. I think that's why I liked it. I yeah. Hope. I've had enough. I've had enough with stories. I just want like I just want stimulus at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, 
but anyway, yeah, that's Shinkai's new movie about the doors, Suzum no Tojimari. Um, if you're excited for this film, uh, let us know what your thoughts are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Asian Pop Nation. And, uh, you know, here's to hoping uh, more doors for your future open up or whatever, you know? Yeah. Wait, that was weirdly poetic. Oh, was it? Oh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Hello, you are tuning into Asian Palm Nation, where we provide you all the latest and greatest hits from Asian artists all across the globe. We have quite an excellent selection of songs that played earlier, first coming from Indonesian female artist Noe with her song titled Girl Off the Earth, which comes from her debut EP titled Inner Child. We also have a single from a Thai band called Kiki with their song called Metamorphosis. And lastly, we played a new track from Japanese artist Jen Hoshino with his song titled Comedy, which for the anime fans in particular, you may already know this song to be the ending song for a new but already quite popular anime called Spy X Family. Fun fact, we actually are going to be talking about that anime because even as a non-anime watcher myself, I'm literally dying from the cuteness of the show, but we aren't just going to be talking about this anime right now, as our presenters for tonight are actually going to have more of a casual talk about some general and Asian media that we have been consuming lately. Again, it's just a really fun and casual talk, so I guess sit back and relax and maybe take some notes for some future recommendations. All right, guys, so this is the first episode of season two. Um, Last two weeks ago, in our last episode of season one, we had a bit where we talked about songs that we've been listening to and liking recently. That segment for for the record uh, ran way over long. It ran for like 34 minutes and I had to edit it down for 17 minutes. So we obviously need more time to talk about things that we like just generally outside of pop culture stories. So this week, we're just going to be having a loose, unstructured discussion about stuff that we're liking, stuff that we've been reading, stuff that we've been listening to, and stuff that we've been watching um, by Asian people or featuring Asian people that we think are cool. Um, Who wants to go first and talk about the thing that they like featuring or involving Asian people? (laughs) Oh, me. me. Oh, I got got something. (laughs) Yeah, John Paul (laughs) Baggins. Yeah, it's um, it's this one shot called Goodbye Eddie, but I won't talk about it here because I recorded a separate segment by myself where I talk about it. But I can talk about something else I've been reading. It's real interesting. You want to know what it's called? Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. It's called Joshi Kohei. Have you heard of it? No. No? No. Well, it's, a, it's a manga. It's a really interesting one. It's basically a, a mecha manga or like you so know like you have soldiers yeah like ratatouille like they're piloting giant robots except the giant robots look like high school girls oh this is crazy i like it yeah it's it's really insane and like they have guns and everything and they're like you know shooting and doing military stuff but the whole story is about this one pilot he's a bit crazy but he's also really good at his job and what happens is that he gets teamed up with this squad and he has to basically hunt down this other giant, you know, mecha pilot, except it's not a mecha. It looks like a high school girl. It's like the, this other pilot, he's gone crazy. He's gone AWOL and he's killing everything and everyone around him. And his job is to hunt him down and stop him. 
And so he has to basically like travel across dimensions and go into like this crazy. It's literally like, have you watched Apocalypse Now, Tracy? No, I don't watch no? movies that much, except everywhere, everything everywhere, all everything at once. everywhere, all at once. Wait, has yeah. anyone here watched Apocalypse Now? I only know the line, I love the smell of napalm in the morning. <laughs> right, yeah. But okay, how about um has anyone here read Heart of Darkness? God damn it, Trumpful. Xenia, okay, let me tell you now, it's literally just that. Like the further he goes, the crazier he gets, and so does everyone else. And it's basically about him trying to like stay sane while also hunting this guy down. It's a really great read. Okay. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> How long is oh, it? Yeah, that's me. Um, I think it's about 40 chapters, but since it was a monthly publication, each chapter is about maybe 30, 40 pages. Yeah, but it's a good read. I would recommend it. Um, I've been watching and reading Spy X Family, which I think Lisha has also. Oh! Read. Yeah! Yes, I am also, as we mentioned, I am also watching it, but I'll explain my journey <laughs> later about it. <laughs> wow. But yes, we continue. Yeah, um, so it's the anime just came out, I think, last week, and there'll be mm-hmm. a new episode soon. But pretty much it's about this uh, spy, and he has to complete this mission where he has to um, pretty much have a family. So he goes and adopts this little girl and then he goes and marries this this woman. But then it's like he's trying to hide his identity from his wife and his uh, kid. But his kid is like a psychic and she can read minds. And the oh. wife is like an assassin. And the all three of them are trying to um, protect their identity from the other two. But the little girl just knows everything. And she thinks she, like it's so funny because she thinks she's in like a game. And yeah, it's just a good read and watch. It's so cute also. This is the most pathological family I've ever heard of, <laughs> ever. Oh, no, no, no. Call me out if I'm making any, like, strenuous connections. But this gives me, like, um, Kaguya Love is War vibes. I don't know. Because, like, I, I remember the whole point of that manga was, like, both of them, they're trying to get the other person to confess to them, but they couldn't reveal their own feelings to each other. I feel like the same like conflict is happening here i don't know if you agree with me um i did not watch that so i also oh, don't know its existence but i think xenia since it is i think in the show genre. sorry what was it that you said jp uh something about um kaguya you know you know the dynamic between the two main yes, characters right yes. yeah um lee's description of, of spy family. x family very yeah. much reminds me i can me see of the that. parallel the, yeah yeah but i think okay if it's yeah yeah, if it's that cute, I might just watch it. Um, but for me, what I've been well, finished reading, uh, it's actually was completed a long time ago, but for some reason, the, the scanlations hadn't been updated. Um, but it's Otakoi, Love is Hard for an Otaku. Oh, <laughs> oh my is. God. It's so I, cute. I love the anime. <laughs> yeah, oh. no, that's the re- main reason why I started reading it. It was because mm. of the anime. But yeah, it was some, to be honest, like, I don't think the main couple got as much development as the secondary couple in the end, but it was still a, a really fun ride. It's just a, such a cute read. And I'm so glad and sad that it's over. But maybe maybe there'll be another. But for, for those who don't know Otakoi, um, it's literally like 
this closet um, <laughs> um, otaku. Uh, her name's Narumi. She loves to like draw yaoi <laughs> or like shonen eye manga and right. those, um, I got a friend that does that. Um, and then she also uh, had a childhood friend, um, Hirotaka, who's like a game otaku, and they reunite at work. Um, and so they decide to start dating um, because she's been finding it really hard to find another guy who accepts her otakuness, and so she's just kept it hidden. Um, yeah, and then there's also a secondary couple, two of their work colleagues. They've been dating since they were high in high school. Uh, one is like a big manga reader. I think he seems to like the kind of I don't know like slice of life he seems to get like a lot of the cutesy girls um and then the other is like a cosplayer their girlfriend so it's a, it's a really nice combination they all become great friends um but it's also just like really down-to-earth realistic uh view of romance and some of the, the insecurities that they have it's like there's no drama of like oh my gosh there's a second person is it a will they won't they love triangle it's just like things like you know insecurities about their looks and you know what they mean to the other person yada yada uh in a work context so wow i like how they're all already dating so like it's just yeah. chill yeah like it starts off as a business relationship and then it becomes an actual relationship with genuine feelings yeah precisely yeah. um <laughs> But I was surprised, like, I'm not much of a gamer or, like, I don't know much about the, the lingo that exists in this sort of world. But so they seem to be able to get a lot of the um, licensing to say some of the official um, gaming terms and, like, franchises. And there's a lot of, like, lingo that perhaps is more popular on the internet that I have no clue about. So, you know, at the end of each, like, manga volume, there's sort of a translation notes. It's like that, but for gaming language. Right. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's me. That's the end of my spiel. Gamers rise up. <laughs> yeah. And also just like otaku langu- language, to be honest. <laughs> hey, everyone. Thanks for taking the time to tune into Asian Pop Nation right now. My name is Leisha, and we were just playing some new tracks, first coming from Thai artist Soren with her single title Scorpio. Shout out to all the Scorpio listeners out there. We also played a hip hop slash R&B track from Eloy featuring PH1 called Falling Dreams. And lastly, we played the latest comeback from Korean go group Dreamcatcher with their song titled Maison. As mentioned earlier in the show, our team tonight are having just a bit of a casual, chill conversation about some Asian media content we've been engaging with, especially since we took that one week break before we started season two. So... Without further ado, let's just jump right back into that conversation. Okay, I have a playlist called APNS1 2022, which is just a personal playlist I have of songs that either got played or I wish had gotten played. One of my favorite albums of the year is still like an album from like the first like January that I still listen to quite regularly. It's an album called There Could Be Wreckage Here by a Singaporean singer-songwriter called Lin Ying. And I had learned about her when I was watching this online concert um, called the Round Festival when she had a performance. There were like um, performance from all over around Asia, but it was sort of mostly Korean performers. So I was mostly even there for them, but she was like really, really good there. And I decided to check out her album and it is really good. This is a really nice little R&B album. The lyrics are super like, uh, what's the word? Like super sincere. 
and a, a little bit lit, uh, a little bit like literary almost. I feel like Lin Ying listened to Lord in 2013. She just gives me those vibes. Uh, just something about the way she writes. Um, yeah, she's just very earnest and like trying really hard to like um, do wordplay and alliteration and all those devices, which is I feel kind of rare in this uh, nowadays. <laughs> in this spotify sort of um monocultural monoculture monogenre world um what else yeah we played i think we played good behavior by her in like the second week or something like that and that is still my favorite song on the album this song is about like oh it's just about like finding someone who you really like and who likes you oh it's just good good behavior i should pull up the lyrics so i can actually talk about it coherently but yeah, Lin Ying, they could be wreckage here. She's pretty cool. She has a great voice. She's very earnest. And the lyrics on this are very nice and vulnerable and connect with me emotionally. Check it out. <laughs> I know. Well, I can tell you right now, Tracy, I'm listening to it. And like, if I could say, if I could describe it with like a few words, I call it like a fluffy cloud. Yes, it is like that. It's very Yeah, calming. it's a fluffy cloud. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me want to sleep, like in a good way. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's only the first song. The first song is very like, yeah, like that. Ah, uh-huh. wow. Please. Well, thanks for the wreck. Thanks for yeah. the wreck, Tracy. No worries. Yeah. So okay, okay. We were talking about music. There's just one song that I just wanted to highlight. It's a song that me and Tracy off air have talked about before it is this song called glitch we played it on our last show for season one it's glitch by Kwon Unbi who is it's so good it's so good you need wait if you're gonna watch it you need to watch it with the music video the music video is it's just so it's so beautiful to watch it and it just again adds to the song and everything but yes if we're talking about song that's just one particular song I want to highlight it's in terms of if people know about like um, her like background previously being like an Izuan member and stuff like that and now since Izuan as a group doesn't exist anymore and a lot of the members are now the art of being soloists or they're getting added into like other groups and stuff um in terms of all the songs that have come out since post Izuan this is yeah. my favorite it's just oh my god it's, it's so good it's so good is wow like Tristan we're talking about like the choreography is nuts the choreography is nuts it's insane. it's so beautiful mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of vogue it's yeah, very it vogue is. It is. it's, it's full on vogue and, it, it, yeah. it's, it's vogue full stop it's so good and just isn't wow it puts your brain in like wow <laughs> sonically um it's kind of house i think you would describe it as mm-hmm. house music mm-hmm. um if you like sort of four wars by fx yes. or View by Shiny. Shiny, yeah. Yeah, house is sort of a thing. Like K-pop was like going for house for like a while, and then they just stopped making and then they dropped house it, which kind of, music. Yeah, which kind of sucks. Is I was like, they were really, we were pulling up some really great stuff with that genre. It was very experimental, and then yeah, now it's um what? <laughs> no, no. Yeah, it's so rare. Like you listen, it just sounds so fresh. Yeah. See, yeah. Asenia. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it house is just oh, it's so good, and just this new song is just. It's a great addition to that genre and it's just so good. But yes, that's the main song I wanted to highlight in terms of watching content-wise. Oh, this is going to be my embarrassing era. Okay, so I've been notorious since I've joined AMP last year of being the person who's just like, oh, I quit anime. I don't watch anime anymore. 
what happened was <laughs> I finished Jujutsu Kaisen. <laughs> And oh my god. I blame that anime for being the uh the spark to bring me back into the anime world. Like I bought manga of <laughs> this anime. I went out of my way to buy manga. Lee knows my embarrassing um <laughs> yes. moment of just being like I haven't even read this volume, but I want to get it because it's a cover of my favorite character. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Leisha, you took um, a holy vow and you've broken it. Okay, and then, but wait, I, aren't you guys happy? You always been like, oh, Alicia, you don't watch this anime. You should watch it so good. Literally, two, what, one show, two show ago, you were trying to get me to watch Fooly Cooly. And now I'm back in oh, the right, yeah. headspace. I'm now back in the headspace. Not in the Fooly Cooly anime headspace, but I no, am. No, that's a, that's a different world altogether, Alicia. <laughs> and then um, I watched like two episodes of Bleach. What? <laughs> Bleach? <laughs> like the original one? Yeah. <laughs> That's oh my that. god. That <laughs> Even so Lee doesn't know that. Like oh my god. Yeah, so I want. Dude, man, original Bleach, that's like Japanese Ghostbusters. <laughs> yes. You know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Wow. Because, I, cause, okay, my explanation is that I used to be quite a like big fan of Bleach when I was like really, really young, but. Like, mm-hmm. it's one of those where, like, oh, I watched it after school and stuff like that. So I have no actual recollection of, like, anything. Um, Did it age well? I think it's fun. I think it's still, it's, I think it's still cute and fun. Ichigo, he's just, he seems like a very harmless pro tag. And I think it's fine. It's, it's cute. There's nothing too inherently, like, oh, cringe <laughs> about it. So it's fine. Um, And then another one. So that one, I was just randomly watching for nostalgia purposes. The one that I'm actually seriously watching right now is Nana, the anime series. Yes, oh, Nana. Really, this might be my anime watching resurgence. Let's go. I'm, oh god, it's so bad for me. I vowed to never get back to it and now I'm here. <laughs> but yeah, so I started watching Nana. That one I'm actually seriously watching because I'm up to right now. I am up to Oh, it's bad when I keep a log about it, but Oh, I'm up to episode 11. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> so I'm watching Nana. It's if you like pretty characters and drama, watch it. <laughs> watch it. It's just, yeah, it's yeah. Um, so that's me. I'm going through a, a shameful to say that I am going through an anime <laughs> watching resurgence. I'm supposed to be the one who bring takes the break from all the anime content. And now I'm becoming the anime, <laughs> I'm becoming wow. the anime watcher again. Oh, I do plan. Yes. I haven't rewatched it lately, but I do plan to rewatch a little anime film called In This Corner of the World. Have you heard of it? E- yes, but also oh. like it sounds familiar, but Yeah, it no, it's um it's set in World War II. It was during the World War II era and it was just about this girl living her life in like the Japanese countryside while the war was happening. It's just about the civilian side in Japan and how they were affected with like the whole war and everything. And it was like, it's surprising, like, like wholesome and cute, despite the fact that like it was such a messed up part of history. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I like it. It's like, it's, it's really hopeful. And I'm planning to watch it again. Is it like Grave of the Fireflies, but wholesome? No, no, I don't think so. I haven't oh, okay. watched Grave of the Fireflies, but like, the tone is different you know like you know with grave of the firefly it's like oh man war is so bad you know oh the, truly the duality of man and evil and oh yeah, oh my god no no in this corner of the world it's more like you know 
dude history's so messed up like innocent people get strung into like terrible things all the time but like you know in spite of that like life goes on you know like people find a way to live either way it's like no matter how hard it gets like they, they manage to get up and so it's one of those stories it's really nice it's That's really beautiful. cute it's beautiful dude i remember the first time i watched it there's this opening song that plays and for some reason like i started crying there like i hadn't even watched the movie yet but i was like oh my god this song's like really good <laughs> So if you like uh, Asian pop culture, please follow us and listen to our show. We are called Asian Pop Nation and we are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and on podcast platforms. This is Asian Pop Nation, since flagship for all things Asian music and pop culture related. We just played a trio of songs, first coming from the band called Official Haigei. Tantism with their song called Mixed Nuts, which comes from the most adorable new anime ongoing at the moment called Spy X Family. Please watch it. We also have a heart-wrenching song coming from US artist Conan Gray called Memories. That is the sound of me crying. But we also lastly played a song from a Japanese go group called Atarashi Gako with their latest single called Woo Go! <laughs> Now, if you were listening to our show earlier, you may have heard one of our team members, JP, mention a particular manga one-shot that he's been reading lately. From what I hear, it's the type of story that may have your head just spinning a bit on what is real versus what is fake. So I'll just let JP, the manga expert, take it from here as he talks about the manga titled Goodbye, Eddie. So I have some interesting news, especially for manga readers. If you are an avid manga reader, you'd probably have heard of Tatsuki Fujimoto, the author of Chainsaw Man. And if you know of Tatsuki Fujimoto, you may have also heard that he released a new little one-shot manga called uh, Goodbye Eddie. So in essence, the story is about a boy that likes to make short films, and for his festival, he makes a memoir about his uh, terminally ill and dying mother. However, in poor taste, he edits himself running away and having the hospital blow up behind him, like a full-on Michael Bay sort of thing. And so, obviously dejected by the poor reception of his fellow students, he spends the next few days wandering around feeling sad until he meets a mysterious girl named Eddie. Eddie is a student at the school, and apparently she was the only one that liked it. And so she forces him to basically make another movie because she just loved it that much. Um, so that's what the story is about. It's about the hijinks between these two young students. It's a wacky and charming tale with sprinkles of darkness throughout. Lots of plot twists um, contained in just this small little 200-page story. But the most impressive thing about this manga was that you actually couldn't really tell between reality or fiction. Um, you see, a lot of the story is viewed through the camera. Um, the boy, he has this camera that he records basically everything on. And um, as a reader, you can't tell whether or not he's recording something that's actually happening in his day-to-day -day life, or if he's recording something as like part of an actual film. There are, if you search it up on the forums or just the usual places on the internet, you'll find all sorts of people arguing about whether or not this was real, or if this character was actually this sort of person, or if they were just acting. Uh, some people were even arguing that um, the main character was actually just a hired actor, 
and that the real main character was this other character and it's like whoa it's a big twisty uh interesting mess but as far as other things i can say um it's a good manga it's it's really good it's really memorable um extremely engaging like you never really know what's going to happen next and I bet you, if you read this, you will laugh at the ending. It's got one of those funny twists. It's a, it's almost like the whole manga was just a build-up to this one like punchline. It's like a big joke, but it's a really good joke. It's worth reading. And it's about 200 pages. It shouldn't take long to read either. Um, so I would recommend reading that. And on that note, I'd recommend reading everything else that Tatsuki Fujimoto has ever written. Um, all of his work is pretty much like this one shot. It's very crazy. You never really know what happens next. And uh, it's it's a his entire body of work is a real roller coaster ride. Um, in terms of works, I can suggest he debuted with Fire Punch. That manga is about a man who is on fire. And literally can't put it out, so he just spends his whole life being on fire and punching people. <laughs> and his current work right now, Chainsaw Man, is also equally ridiculous in that it's about a man who can turn into a chainsaw. Like, chainsaws can come out of his arms and his head, and uh, his whole job is uh, fighting demons and stuff. Very, very interesting work. But yes, before all that, read Goodbye Eddie. It is available legally on places like Manga Plus. You can read it in English. And once you've done that, let us know what your thoughts are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Asian Pop Nation. Love to hear your thoughts, whether you like it or not. I just want to spread Tatsuki Fujimoto around and his body of work. He's a sick dude. But yeah, happy reading. Greetings to everyone who is listening to us right now here on Asia Pop Nation, whether live on air on, on or on our podcast. It's me, Lisha here, the executive producer of APN, and you were just listening to songs first coming from the K-pop male group 17 with their first all-English single titled Darling. We also played the song titled Kapo from Kaho Nakamura, which comes from her latest LP titled Miai. And finally, we played an indie rock track coming from Surel titled Around. What a show we had tonight to kick off season two of Asian Pop Nation. While the weather is starting to cool down for us here in Melbourne, we definitely had a lot of hot new tracks and new content to talk about. Firstly, of course, the main talk of the town, A24's latest movie called Everything Everywhere All At Once. And if you're listening right now and haven't watched it yet, Watch it now. That's my only demand I will make as an EP. But we also have had tons of other discussions ranging from Bridgerton season two to the good old classic Asian parents being disappointed at us. Woohoo! To a manga one-shot review of Goodbye Eddie. Thank you so much for joining myself, but also our team tonight of Xenia, Lee, Tracy, Jenna, JP, and Ethan for episode one, aka our first show for season two. Now, before we end our show though, we still have one more song to share with you guys. First coming from Thailand, we have the male group Last One with, her, with their debut track titled Taste Me. Remember, you can always tune into Asian Pop Nation every Tuesday from 8 p.m. onwards, right here on Sin. And for bonus content, you can always follow us at Asian Pop Nation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and listen to our Asian Pop Nation podcast available anywhere and everywhere you stream your podcast. 
Good night, everyone. Bye.